Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. Brett Freeman. Hey guys. And Zach Katie. Hey, hey, hey. Alright guys, uh, so we have an episode for you this week. LVO just happened. Uh, we were going to record last night, but it was literally still happening as we were about to record. So we are a day behind and we have all the data and all the information that you probably want to hear about. We're not going to go too deep into it. One of the things that we're going to talk about right off the bat, though, is the conversion rates, the amount of lists that people brought, and all that fun stuff. So over the past two days at LVO in Swiss, Scum had a whopping 49 brought lists, Empire with 48. Rebels with 41, Separatists with 29, Republic with 24, First Order with 22, and Resistance with 21. So that's pretty huge. Like, I mean, like, we had just had the points change, and the people jumped on the scum bandwagon, like, that quickly. Um, did you guys see that coming, or do you think that's, you know, or do you think that was the right call, even? I definitely was not expecting Scum to to have the most uh you know lists played. Um, it seemed like Torkel was kind of everywhere when you were going through uh best coast pairings for the twelve minutes that it was operating. Um, and you know it seemed like every other Scum list seemed to have a uh, Torkel and you know his Marauders in there. Um, so I but I definitely didn't see it taking that type of a jump to to get above Empire. Yeah, I mean, the Mandalorian just came out, so <laughs> Scum's pretty hot right now. Right, and, and, and like, you say Torkoal was there a lot, and I also think that, uh, like, we saw a lot of Fang Fighters and Boba. Like, there there was a lot of lists there that you just kind of, like, incorporated those two ships. So, um, namely Boba, I, I definitely think is going to be the rising star in Scum. Oh, yeah, I mean, not even a rising star. Like, he's just sure. going to stay. He's returning to claim his throne. Um, but Just yeah, de- definitely. Uh, so Scum had a 15 people in cut with a conversion rate of 30, just over 30, um, 30%. Separatists went with 10 people in cut with a conversion rate of 34.5. Rebels, sorry, Rebels, you only had five people at 12. Empire, yeah, Empire had 12 at 25%. Republic, 25%. First Order, 36%. Resistance, a whopping 38%. Um, overall, I think that's pretty good. Like, I, I think those numbers are, like, terrific with the exception of Rebels. I didn't really get to, like, take too deep a look into the Rebel lists. But, like, I mean, why do you think that is? Do you think Rebels didn't get, like, any adjustments that they needed? Like, any reason why? Like, Jonathan, do you, have you taken a look at any of these lists? So, I mean, I think that uh, some of the other factions got pretty large buffs in that last point upgrade, especially um, the uh, First Order and the, and Scum factions. Uh, Empire and Republic were sort of in, and Separatists were all in good positions beforehand and weren't touched too much except for Separatists with uh, Seer and TA-175. Rebels did get some of their generics dropped, which is helpful, but I think that although people talk about five T sixty fives a lot, I don't know how good of a list. I mean it can it's I think a reasonable jousting list, but I don't know if it's better than a lot of the other jousting lists other factions can put together, such as uh someone who made the cut with the five Thai Reapers, you know, or uh eight Thai FOs. So while the idea of five T sixty five sounds great, there are I think all the many of the other factions have like equally decent sort of jousting lists. Right, and, and like so, you you mentioned five T sixty fives. I think that's going to be one of the lists that really kind of shines in hyperspace, like where like you can bring it in to extend it. I, I don't know if that's going to be really like performing well in extended as opposed to like something with the limited carpool, like hyperspaces. Like I, I think they might have a really good chance to shine in that format as opposed to extend it. So, I mean, I did see at the last game, gold squadrons last game on day one, it was uh, Gordon Pinkerton flying a resistance salad of, uh, I think two T seventies, Kova and 
Finn, and he played against Jonathan Gomes, who had five T65s. And it was a really close, good, exciting game. So I think a good player can still make five T65s work, but it's not just a, you know, auto win. So, and there are a lot of things, I think, in extended that can outjust it. Um, and then Jonathan Gomes, he's an old player from first edition who is very skilled and very good. And it's a name, actually, I haven't heard in a long time until I saw him on Gold's Caution. Cool. All right, so let's take a, like, just, we're not going to, like, look into the list yet, but, like, resistance, with only 21 players bringing a resistance, eight of them make cut. Now, and this is the highest conversion rate. I mean, granted, it was only 21 people, but it's kind of like, do we think that resistance is definitely going to be something to take a look at? Like, did, did they actually change um things that quickly and like that that deep that this is going to be something to really consider going forward uh like do we think ray is going to make a staple do we think that like all these ships coming in are really going to make an impact and and one thing to note though this was a top 64 cut right so the conversion rates here are not really the same that we would normally see sure right in an event because you know the cut's just so large but yeah i i think you're i think ray is going to become a staple i think they just finally have made the yt or 1300s so cheap that you know they can finally fit enough toys in there with everything else they need and you know the t70s and that that one extra health that everyone talks about it's it's real right i mean they they do stick around a lot longer than you want, and and that's not even getting into the five A wings, which, you know, might just completely dominate the hyperspace meta. Sure, and, and I mean, was the fireball legal for this tournament? No, it was no, no. right, right. It's not coming out to the thirty first, right? Yeah. Um, technically. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's going to be something to look at. I, I mean. I've gone up against a couple Ray lists that I had my head turning before the points change, and now that like it's even gone down, it's something that I'm even like more like, wow, this could actually you know be pretty good. So uh, that is definitely something to look at. Um, any get? Yeah. Uh, so speaking of resistance and Ray, th- so there's a top sixteen um, list where's Ray, Covanel in the uh, transport with Leia crew and Tally in the A wing. So I think that addition, being able to squeeze in Leia into a list that also has Ray is important. You know, Ray would like ideally to have people in her front arc. And then while you think of Leia on Kova, Leia always turning Kova's moves from red to white, being able to let Ray white sloop and then still have her action, I think is pretty huge. So I think those point drops lets you squeeze in more things, just like Brett said. Uh, the toys that Ray needs to be um, to hit hard. Right. One of the, I mean, speaking of toys, I don't know why we really didn't look at this sooner. But um, so, what is it? Finn in the Falcon with the freelance slicer. Is that right? What, no, no, to no. get a target lock? So, Rose, maybe? Or? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Rose. That you get to spend the, or to sp- or take a die, spend a die. To get a target lock and then freelance slicer, because um, you can do that on offense and defense, whatever you know, you can just basically lock and then. Uh, I think that's pretty clever. I don't know. I mean, I never really took a, taken a look at that before, but um, I, that's one of the things that did catch my eye on stream. Um, you're basically going to be jamming a lot, so it's kind of like giving you an extra defense. Uh, um, so. Again. So, so for people who aren't familiar with the card, what does Freelance Slicer so do? So Freelance again? Slicer is while you defend, before attack dice are rolled, you may spend a lock or you have on the attacker to roll one attack die. If you do, the attacker gains one jam token. Then on a hit or crit, you gain one jam token. So, I mean, it's really a way to pick things like lower off and then that you can like jam off tokens and like make sure that they don't, they don't have the tokens on you. Um... Or even vice versa, like let's say you you're, have something that's chasing you down, you can always like just kind of spend that die. Uh, I mean, you roll the blank, you spend the die to get the lock on it, and then the next time they shoot you, you can absolutely just jam it off. Um, again. So just to walk through that interaction, so it's Finn, uh, Ray, uh, Rose, Rose, and yeah. the Freelance Slicer. So someone shoots you, Finn adds a blank, Rose 
spends that blank to get a target lock, and then you spend the target lock to proc Freelance Slicer? So yeah, it has to be before the attack dice are rolled. So I mean, um, so you can do it on like the next attack or something like that. Um, Oh, okay. Right. So yeah, the the problem with it, I I ran that a little while, um, but the problem was the timing was was not great, because basically it meant you weren't hitting as hard as you could with your attack to get that target lock to then use to jam on defense, which then meant you didn't have the target lock probably when you were attacking the next round on offense. Um, so it, it kind of was just screwing up your, your damage potential a little bit. Now on the times when, when you know you just had an extra target lock for some reason, it, it was great, but um, that was my one complaint with it. Sure, but I mean, I mean, I think I would, I would definitely do this on something like that. You are attacking like lower than you, that maybe even has a lock on you. That I mean, I probably wouldn't prevent ordinance because I feel like the timing window, you would declare the attack. Um, but being able to like break a lock off of something that is you know that is locked onto you, I, I think that could be pretty huge, especially um, if that's their only mod. Uh, I definitely would take a look at it. I mean, it's only three points, and for it to be useful in certain situations, I would definitely take it. Yeah, I mean, what it definitely has for it, like you said, is that it's really cheap. Um, and, you know, if you're taking rows already, there's really no reason to throw it on, or to not throw it on if you have an extra crew slot. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I think one of the things that I really want to kind of express before we get into these like breakdown of the list and take a look at the top cut. Like we're going only going to go into the top 16, but one of the things that like really kind of was looking at this was a lot of lists with this points change, like nothing changed. Like a lot of these lists, some things went up, but like a lot of things didn't. So like the meta like didn't ever really shift. And, and I think people caught on to that and it really kind of shows in these top cuts that like we're looking through all like the list all like what is it like 200 and like 30 something that people like sat there and tried to make these clever lists and they tried to find the next big list and everything like that but like ideally one of the things that really kind of stood out was that the meta was already set and nothing really broke the meta or anything like that would you guys agree like with that statement or or do you think i could be wrong and I agree with you. I mean, like we had talked about when the points first came out, it seemed like they were just trying to raise the power level of, you know, the stuff that was underperforming. Um, and there are some new archetypes here in the top 16 and throughout the cut. Um, but, you know, because they didn't lower the power, power level at all of any of the other, you know, high-performing lists, those have all really stuck around, um, especially this close to a points change, you know, where people don't have the, the reps that they would want to have with a new list. I think people just sort of said, well, I'm going to take what I'm good at. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, I mean, like, like I said, there was some crazy lists out there. That I, and, and granted, like you said earlier, like five Reapers made the cut. Um, I don't think they got to the top 16. I don't know about top 32. But it's something that like you could throw out there. But I, I think at the same time, like the lists that are going to perform are, especially this early in the point change, if you're going to like a tournament this next coming up weekend or anything like that, it's if you want to perform a do something that you're practiced with and do something that you are familiar with. Don't try to find that new list without really kind of getting the reps in or anything like that. Um, again, like definitely new lists will pop up in the meta and like they will people are going to be searching for that next hotness and all that jazz. But I think at the same time, like people had the right mindset of just like the meta didn't dissolve this point change it definitely stayed the same um so let's jump right into the final brett did you watch this final did you you... i i did get a chance to to watch it and it was one of the the best x-wing matches i've ever seen um i mean it it felt like it was up there with uh like the paul heaver um first world championship win or or you know the one against nathan i even it was just such a well-played match uh by both players it was uh, Zach Bart flying Suntir, um, a Palp shuttle, and two Inquisitors, them with um, concussion missiles. Um, and it was against a Seer Swarm uh, with seven vultures that I think all had struts. Um, and I think it was Paul Olson. Is, is that? Yes. Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah. So he, mm-hmm. he uh, was the, 
the Separatist player. Um, and it was such a back and forth game the entire time. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to watch, you really should because uh, Dion was joined by Travis Johnson for commentary, and he uh, he is a Separatist player, and he was really giving a lot of insight into the the mindset of somebody flying that list um, going up against this matchup. Um, and it actually came down on the last uh, round to a hundred hundred tie uh, because the Palp shuttle got taken off and the last vulture got taken off um, and they went to a final salvo um, where the empire was down five dice to seven and actually pulled off the win. I think it was four to three. Um, it was just one of the, the most exciting games. It looked like it might be over in about 25 or 30 minutes based on the, the way the first engagement went where both players were getting very aggressive and like i mean it, it obviously went the full two hours um both players played so well and should be really proud with how they did yeah i had a chance to watch the game also most of the game also so i agree with um brett i mean i really thought there were multiple times when that first engagement when um paul he put in a ton of damage into that one inquisitor and brett um Zach wasn't able to really hit back and it swung massively in his favor. And then there was that turn where um, Zach took off multiple vultures on the one turn and it's just swung the other way. And then, um, you know, Paul catching Suntir in the corner, but then Suntir escaping that turn. It was, it was a really good match. So I'd encourage everyone to go see it. So one thing that was kind of cool was uh, Suntir had TA-175 on him. Uh, where you know everyone gets to calculate when a friendly ship, uh, you know, within a certain range, which basically is forever, um, dies. Um, it that ability obviously synergizes really well with the crack shots from Seer. And there were a couple turns where, um, you know, Zach seemed like he was in a really bad position, um, and he actually ultimately was almost always able to escape without any damage. But it was the point where if he had actually ended up killing a ship instead of just hurting it, and there were those extra calculate tokens around, then Suntir may have gotten crack shotted off the board. So it was one of those those kind of cool things where he wanted to hurt a ship, but not necessarily take it off. Um, and that's just not the normal type of, of thought process that you have, you know, going into a game where you normally just want to try and kill everyone. Um, so, you know, that, that extra level of thinking really made the game kind of fun, too. Cool, yeah, I definitely caught the tail, and I watched the final salvo. I mean, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, man, I got to see this. And I was a little shocked to see that it was 100-100, um, which is pretty cool that, like, it didn't even end in mutual destruction. Like, it ended in a state that both players destroyed equal amount of ships. And then um, the fact that it had to go to how much dice were on the table, uh, and, and the odds definitely went in Zach's favor with the... Um, with the five dice as opposed to the seven dice rolling the uh, four hits. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely pretty cool. I, I would definitely advise everyone to go check out that stream uh, from Gold Squadron. They always do great work. Um, on that note, I definitely want to say like everything I've heard about this tournament this weekend, the Fly Better crew did like a tremendous job. Um, it, it really gave me some like phone FOMO that I wasn't there and. I definitely think everyone should applaud them for the, and, you know, look out for their future events. Definitely. If they're going to still run things and everything, definitely try to check them out. But yeah. So one, uh, one thing like Andrew, how you had mentioned earlier about how the meta not things have changed, but they haven't really changed that much right. necessarily. So like Zach Bart, this, uh, he flew this exact same list at the extended qualifier at PAX um, with Jendon, the two inquisitors and soon to I know Jendon went up, so uh, I think maybe he just has a smaller bid or, or maybe one upgrade difference on Suntir. Um, and then uh, Paul Olsen is a very accomplished Separatist player, and he also he took Separatist to Worlds, and I'm pretty sure uh, he has an interview on Radio TCX um, a, a few months ago on how to play the Separatist Swarm. And the only difference here is I think he changed all his drones from the Separatist drones down to the Trade Federations to uh, be able to fit them in. Uh, so basically, both of these gentlemen are running the same list that they had been pre-points changes with just some tweaks. Cool. All right, so let's move into the top four. Uh, so obviously the two lists that we mentioned, uh, and then, I I'm sorry, I don't have the names here with them, but we have Finn with two Skull Squadrons and 
a sequel, the Leighton Sheriff, that's how you pronounce it, um, which is kind of interesting. It's So it's Leighton with auto blasters and marksmanship, and Leighton is the one that, after you perform an attack, if the attack missed, gain one evade token. So it's interesting seeing that on the table. Um, I'm curious, I, I definitely have to go back and watch some of these matches because I... I I'm curious how much punch this seek did. Like, it's an I three seek with uh, whatever ability. Um, after you perform an attack or, or defend, if the attack missed, gain one of a token. Um, I- I'm curious how much punch that this little seek did, or if the real stars of the show were the the Fang Fighters. So I saw. Uh oh. Um. And I, I believe Brian, um, and I, I don't have his last name here, was, was flying it. And it seemed like the, the Seek was really relying a lot on marksmanship and getting bullseyes for that auto blaster right. uh, cannon. And uh, I, I did see it take out a, a ship with, with just two crits. Um, so obviously, you know, th- there wasn't even a chance to, to roll defense dice there. So uh, I feel like that was really its bread and butter was just sort of trying to flank and, and roll those crits when you could. Yeah, I mean, like, marksmanship with auto blasters has definitely um, been a go-to since it's come out. But, um, <clears throat> okay, I just saw that, I, I for some reason, I thought auto blasters was in the defender's arc, but it's just their front arc. So, I, I guess it's definitely good on large base turrets or anything like that, and definitely will pack a punch. Um, so, yeah, the, it's definitely an interesting list. Um, it's cool seeing the Fangs go this far in a tournament. I mean, it's even cool seeing a Seek go this far in a tournament. Um, and... and I, it's at 30 points and, and I, at first I kind of thought like why didn't he take it in Aldra and I guess the real answer right there is the the marks, marksmanship ability um, so that is something I'm definitely impressed about something I definitely want to put on the table what else did we see in the top four we had some Jedi I mean again it, it's something that we haven't really Venture too far. It's two R2s and two 7B. Um, so it's Obi, Plo, and Rick. Um, again, something that has been a, a staple in the metal for how long now? That it's it's been there for a while and it hasn't really changed. I mean, what? Uh, Obi went up one point? Yeah, Obi went up one point and the R2s went up three points each. So, I mean, he, kinda, he probably went down to a Plo instead of Anakin. But, I mean, you still have two I5s uh, in this meta that... You know, it's they're still good. They're probably still moving last. Yeah, and this was uh, Andrew Bunn, um, who you know is a world class player. Um, and actually, I think, and I'm I'm trying to check it out right now, but I think he basically flew this exact same list at Worlds. It's just I think he had um, R two on uh, Rick as well, if I remember correctly. So basically, he just you know had to drop that one R two. To uh to be able to fit, uh you know the the points increases for the other, the other ships, yeah, uh, which is not too big of a of a you know, of a loss. Um and yeah, so he had a he also had sense. I'm sorry, um on Obi Wan at Worlds, and I'm not sure if he had that here, but otherwise it's it's the same list. Um yeah, boring Jedi. Um, uh, Brett will have the opportunity to talk at length about Jedi in a little bit. Um, so let's move into the top eight, though. So we had a Vader Whisper Inquisitor, all these lists from Worlds. Um, but here we got a Resistance Transport with is that two X's with Tally and Finn? Um, which is pretty cool. Like, like I said, I, I mean, it's, it's basically just like a Resistance Salad. I, I'm down with it. We had Kylo with three SFs and TN. Uh, Kylo's, you know, probably one of the best ships in the game. I know some people will fight me that he is the best ship in the game. Um, so it's cool to see that getting this far in, in the um, in the tournament. And so we had some other vulture swarms. But one of the one things that I do really want to point out in here is that six of the seven factions are represented in the top eight. Uh, Rebels did not make the top eight cut, but I, I think at the same time, like. The state of X-Wing that FFG kind of wants us to get is probably here. Like, they're probably super pleased with seeing this meta breakdown. 
and I think they've probably hit the mark that like, okay, we achieved what we want to do. Oh, definitely right. I mean, we have some ace lists, we have some jousting lists, we have some like ace plus squad lists. Uh, I think is is you know what we're calling them. Like it, it really seems like basically all the archetypes that that they could want in the game are represented here, except maybe like bombers. Um, and I, I think that's so good for the game, like you're saying. Zach, if you were at this tournament, how would you have taken Rebels to take to top eight? It's a good question. I haven't quite cracked it myself yet. I don't know. Talked to Jonathan a bit earlier already <laughs> about this, and kind of in the same boat. Like, I feel like steady beef is still steady beef. I think just good players aren't really picking it up. Like it's not the most sexy of lists, but I think just keep rocking the beef for as long as you can. Sure. Uh, again. Oh yeah. Um like I think the I mean for jousting, rebel jousting list, there are a lot of other you can bring the a really good rebel jousting list, and there are plenty of other lists that when they your opponent puts them down, you're gonna have second thoughts about whether you really want to line up opposite them. So um you know, I don't know. Like the like if you face off against a not to spoil going ahead, like the FO, the like the Fo Ocho, or uh, or like Separatists, especially like you have um, if you're bringing U wings or anything like bigger base that can't really escape from like crack shots from like a Seer Swarm. So, I mean, you do have really good. In- so Rebels still have really good internal action. They have good action economy on like Braylon and Tenum. They have good like the u-wings are still really solid and then now they have k2so um so i mean i think they can still compete it's just um maybe i guess it's still too early to tell yeah and i mean i think an extended i still think luke wedge bb is one of the best lists in the game right now like it's not exciting but it's consistent as fuck <laughs> touche um okay so uh jonathan you mentioned k2so and I, I know there's been a lot of buzz for it. I mean, obviously, he wasn't legal for this tournament, but uh, I think K2SO actually might be one of the the crew members that absolutely dominate, like, especially on, like, Han, or not Han, but, like, Lando, um, being able to take that stress or, and with the 9-num backup to, to bank all over the place. Uh, would you agree with that? I think K2SO is really good. I think he's not as... It, I guess we're, it depends if we're talking about extended or in hyperspace, um, his quality. I mean, in hyperspace, he's limited by the fact that he has to go on a Falcon. And if he's on a Falcon, then you're really cutting down... If you put him on a Falcon, you're looking at a three-ship list. And the question is, is he giving action economy to the ship that he's on? Or is he boosting another friendly ship? And I think that on Lando, yeah, he can, you can get like a triple action Lando and he's good. Um, I think that in Extended, you could really see him like on a different chassis, which is cheaper, like maybe a Ewing, maybe a Sheathapede even. And he'd be really good to support like Wedge, who's not in... Um, who's not in uh, hyperspace. The thing is, I feel like most of the rebel, the small based rebel ships in hyperspace don't need, they benefit less from K2SO. Uh, and what I mean is, if you're bringing Braylon or Tenum, sure, there's some use there, but they don't need him because they have really good internal action economy already, especially Tenum, Tenum with the S-foils and Braylon with his own ability. And then if you have Luke or Jake, they sure K2SO helps, but like Luke and Jake don't need them, need him as much. Um, I feel like K2SO, if he was in another faction, like Empire or First Order, supporting like an ace, uh, like Von Reg or something, he'd be really great. Uh, but the Rebels, at least in hyperspace, he, I think you're going to see him mostly buffing the Falcon that he's on. 
uh, an extended, maybe a little different because uh, you have Wedge who could really use that extra. Then Wedge can target lock and then get a calculate from K2SO. Sure. Cool. Let's go into top 16, though. Uh, so we have Array with a Kova, Leia, and Tally. Like I said, I'm super excited to see more Ray on the table. Even if I don't fly resistance, I still think it's something that people should definitely t- start taking a look at. Um, granted, the scum or the resistance Falcon is not hyperspace legal, right? So it hurts a little bit there. But I, I think at the same time, like she is going to be good and. Um, it's not something to overlook, especially especially if, if you're going to be going up against her. Like It's something that you have to be aware of because she's going to hurt and she's going to hit like a truck. Um, it may, that might be the thing that gets me to play Resistance again. Um, I'm definitely excited for that. Any, any opinion on that? I mean, I would like Ray to be good. Uh, you know, I think she definitely has a spot in the game. I just... The Resistance T uh, Falcon is definitely worse than the Rebel Falcon, uh, and I just imagine, like against like um, Seer Swarms or lots of arcs, she might have some problems. Especially, I think if you over if you try to use her front arc too much, I know earlier I had said Leia lets you sloop and turn around and do things, which is great. But if you overcommit to using that front arc a lot and end up jousting she's not nearly as tanky as she was in first edition and you could end up being shredded by some of these swarms yeah definitely um so some of the other lists that popped up we have a vader with an echo um just like one of the coolest lists yeah so this is david sure. kelly who won he won nova he got top 16 at world with vader or vader echo and uh lieutenant Sai. And then he's just like, well, what if I just get rid of the shuttle altogether and go top 16 with just Vader and Echo? I mean, what a cool list. Um, with a, you know, having to play a, a swarm and it, it just finally caught up to him. But, I mean, props to him for getting as far as he did with that list. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure he probably took the reps and the work to, to get where he did with that. I, I know one of our locals loves to play Echo and everything. It's interesting to see Echo on the table because it's uh, one of those things that you never really kind of expect where he's going to go. It's just it's crazy to see it actually in action. Uh, but yeah, definitely props to him. Brett, did you see his game against Blair Bunky? Yes, that's who it was. Thank you. It was Blair. Okay. And what a, like, I mean, Blair's, you know, some people say, like, you know, the, the best player in the game. He always has the, the coolest swarm lists. Um, and, and his, this time was, was extremely cool. I mean, it was talk about a scum salad. It was, it was everything you could possibly think to throw in there. Um, and David still almost ended up coming back against what seemed like a pretty horrible matchup. Thanks to Echo and her cool decloaks. Yeah. Um, so what else do we have? Uh, we had the Focho, the eight of the Epsilon, uh, TIE Squadron Cadets, the FO TIE Fighters. <laughs> I know two people brought, oh, at least made, or, yeah, I think two people made the cut with this, right? Um, it may have been three even, it might have been but it three. was at least two. So it's definitely interesting that it's just eight of the, you know, these TIE Fighters. And they're probably one of, like, the best, like, filler ships in the game. And why not just load up your list of filler ships? I mean, they're four health behind three agility and two turns? Like... You can't go wrong there. So, I mean, I'm not like, I, I think I might be one of those lists that, like, it, it's cool right off the bat. It's cool that people found it and they threw it in, but I'm not, in the long run, I don't know if this will be something you see forever. Um, and we, we do see that a lot that, like, when the points just change, these things pop up and, and you know, it catches people by surprise. Um, so, it, it's like a double edged sword there. Like, I, I definitely like it. I definitely think it's cool. But I don't know how long this thing will be lasting. So I, I, it's not something I don't know if I have to invest any kind of time into. But remember this. Remember when Rebel Beef was the best jousting list in uh, Extended and was also in hyperspace? This is kind of the same thing, right? Like, this is probably the best jousting list, just pure efficiency-wise, and it's completely hyperspace legal. You know, I, th- I mean, I think you see this pattern of... Um, 
<clears throat> people first cramming as many. So speaking of Rebel B, if you see this first pattern of people cramming as many generics in as possible, then they say, wait, what if I upgrade this guy a little bit and upgrade this guy a little bit? And then so Rebel Beef at the very beginning, like a year ago, people were just cramming in X-Wings and Y-Wings and maybe a U-Wing. Um, and then they were like, oh, let's put in Leia crew and then put in Wedge or put in. And then the B-Wings became hyperspace legal. And then you went to named pilots. So I think you could imagine starting with this, but then maybe a better squad might be, you might have like a PS race again. Like you could put in one. So you could put in six of the Omega Squadron aces with uh, Crackshot and then one Epsilon. And that, so it's seven TIE Fighters instead of eight. But you have, uh, you have six of them at I3 with Crackshot. And that might actually joust better. So you can, you can imagine the list sort of evolving as uh, people start to upgrade the individual parts. If that makes like, yeah, an experiment, no, you definitely hit the nail like right in the head. Like, I, I mean, I call it the copy pasta meta that people just find what can fit and load it up as much as they possibly can. And, and that always does happen right off the bat that they find this and then they, they go from there. And, and then they, it does get the upgrade. So, I mean, like, yeah, right off the bat, like, I, I would definitely take these six, um, like the seven ships over the this any day, I believe, um, which makes total sense. So maybe that's what you start looking at. Like this pops up. Don't put this on the table. But how can you make this list better? And how can you possibly adjust it uh, even? Um, but yeah, I mean, this did perform well at LVO. So uh, it's definitely something to look at. Uh, at least, I mean, when you're building lists and stuff like that, I would definitely say, can my list beat this? Oh, uh, yes, no. And what do I have to adjust? Um, and how can that list evolve into beating my list? And uh, I think it's yep. yeah, I think it's important not to underestimate the tankiness of this list. So if you think of say four B wings or say four arcs, like so, so four arc one seventies is thirty six health behind one agility die. So this is thirty two health, so a little less behind three agility dice. So I think it has a lot more um, endurance, and these tie fighters are not chained together. And you can string them at or put them in two separate blocks. You can string them along. Um, they move super fast. And then they can also stall. They can hard one barrel roll back. So they can fit into tight spots. And I think it's a potentially really good lesson. And they're taking up a lot of space. So be ready for those bumps. Because you're going to be bumping into them. They're going to know where you're going. And they're going to be blocking up all the lanes that you can go. So if you were flying your Fang Fighters against this, what would you think, Andrew? What would I think? I think I would go straight forward into them, um, try to find any possible lane I can find to try to get some mods. Because um, if I'm flying four Fangs, I probably have a bid at this point, unless I upgraded to a Skull Squadron. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I think I would try to find any kind of lane and try to stick into range one as big as possible it really depends on like the the setup if he's set up in a eight um say like in like a block of eight i try to pull through the rocks or anything like that if he set up two and two i sick fin on one squad and i put uh you know the the zealots on another squad um it's interesting because like, like i said it my biggest fear with this is against a good player they will understand that the fangs are getting that evade at range one and behind, you know, two dice or, you know, three dice at range one, you're probably not going to be doing a lot of damage. What you can try to do, though, is get those range two shots by setting up the blocks um, and, and taking a bunch of range two shots at the Fang Fighters, which will still hurt, though. Definitely going to pop at that point. Um, I think my best option here would be trying to find any possible lane that I could close those gaps and try to call bluffs or anything like that like i i think that would be my, my strategy on this because I, I know they're going to be searching for blocks and i know that um range two is going to be the death of the fang so uh, like i said that would be my strategy is, is try to figure out where he's going to try to block and who he's going to try to block with and um figure out where i'm going to be able to basically like go so uh, that, that's essentially what i would look at for this 
Um, other than that, I mean, I guess uh, against an unversed player, I would just go range one as fast as I can into there and, you know, play that Concordia face-off game. Um, that would be my strategy. Cool. <laughs> uh, so next list on here that I kind of want to look at is we have two E-Wings, it looks like, and Luke. Yeah, so it's um, two Rogue Squadron E-Wings. Yeah, so they're only what? With uh they got pretty cheap, didn't they? They are 53 points with Proton Torpedoes and R3 Astromech and then a Luke Skywalker. Uh, 200 points. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. The Ewings are pretty cool and they just got cheaper. So, I mean, Corrin didn't get cheaper, but I think there's still something to look at. So I think um, being able to target lock and then with r3 astromech have two target locks and you can target lock on your first turn paint each e-wing can paint two enemy targets and threaten with the proton torpedoes i think it's super like against uh a separatist swarm you know you can get you could potentially take off two and then with luke who will probably be able to double mod his shot since he has the force backing up you could take two maybe three ships off if you're lucky uh, against impure against aces, you can like if you're playing against uh, what like uh, Whisper Vader Grand Inquisitor, you could target lock. You know, you could put target locks on all of them uh, at the beginning, threaten them with the proton torpedoes. Whisper rolling only those two agility dice doesn't want to face like two double modded proton torps, so they have to pay play extra kg. So uh, yeah, I, th- I could see how this list could be really good. Definitely. Um... Like I said, uh, the time that I put into the E-Wings, like getting that initial double-modded uh, torp off it is huge a lot of times. Um, it would probably suffer a little bit maybe against going aces and you know playing the arc dodge game, but I think at the same time, there's I know they get a lot of slack for not being able to reposition focus, but I think at the same time, it's, uh, it, it's not always needed and like sometimes just that single reposition and getting out of arc or doing something is, is what you need to do um but yeah i, I highly suggest trying out e-wings at some point especially because they've gone down is there anything else that we want to highlight or talk about lvo um so brett mentioned blair bunkie's list i think it's yeah. it's a very interesting one if we want to talk about that sure uh do you have it offhand uh so it was three of the cartel spacers Two of them with uh, tractor beam, uh, three of the Binari pilots, right? Uh, Z95s, one autopilot drone, and one zealous recruit. So I would not trust this list in anyone else's hands <laughs> except for Blair. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh... I mean, like, it's if you think about it, like, that autopilot drone has like three turns before it blows up and. But I, I think at the same time, it's very interesting because he kind of creates a lane of do you just take the damage from the auto uh, or the autopilot drone or do you go up against the swarm um, and, and go that route? So, uh, I mean, it's a clever decision, but it's almost like he's never going to perfect the game because he's always sacrificing 12 points. But... Um, yeah, right in the hands of Blair, like I, I would not trust that in anyone else's hands. Like he, he definitely did a good job. I think what he was top thirty two. So he he knows what he's doing with it and he knows how to perform with it. So I think like watching his games or his setup is useful. So in his game against Dave, so his game against David Kelly, Gold Squadron reco- recorded it. So it will it's in their Twitch and eventually they'll put it up on YouTube. But basically I know it's hard to sort of explain the board state, but he had the three, um, he had the three cartel spacers in one, one corner. So he has to set up his entire list first. So he's three cartel spacers in one corner. And then maybe a third of the way down, he has the Z 95s with um, the autopilot drone. And then down at the other end, he has the uh, Fang fighter. Um, and I think the reason is like the Fang Fighter is a little bit further and on its own, but it's the one that can move the fat. It can, it's the most maneuverable ship there. So it can like run, get out of trouble, come in on the flank. And then David put Vader and Echo in opposite corners. But basically, 
uh, Blair, he sent like the Sikhs hurtling towards Vader and forcing Vader to run. He brings the autopilot drone, three bank, three bank, three bank, through the center of the board and makes it so that Vader cannot sort of like turn back in on the, like he creates a no-go zone where Vader wasn't willing to go, forcing Vader to run. And he had the Z-95s come in through the middle and arcing towards where Vader was going while the fang came up at the bottom. And he created a nice kill box. And and yeah, it was uh, really amazing actually to watch. Yeah. All right, any final things of LVO before we start to wrap up into hyperspace notes? Um, like I said, I, the Fly Better crew did a fantastic job. They've really been doing like a tournament scene great. Dion always does the best uh, work with streaming. I know it was a really popular event, and like I said, they, they you know put on a show, and, and people had, I mean, I've heard zero complaints about the entire weekend. Um Except the best coast pairing sucks. Oh yeah, which is not their fault at all. But you know, everyone should just say it all the time. BCP sucks. Yeah, don't don't blame uh, the Flynox for that. That was uh, BCP is a huge sponsor of LVO, so they had to their hands out on that one. But uh, definitely don't use BCP if you're ever an organizer. Don't even look at it. Don't download it. Um, all right, so let's hop into our hyperspace uh, meta-analysis, our breakdown, what we think is going to be big, coming up for your store championships, uh, what you're looking at. So this week, we're going to hit Republic. And Brett, you're going to take it away because you love Republic and Jedi and all that fun stuff. So why don't you take it away? All right. So it's going to be very simple this week. You should put Obi with CLT in a list with CLT in a list and then fill out the rest of your points however you want to and uh, and that's really it um, well, I, I guess there's a little bit more than that but that is Brett, definitely I think the foundation Brett I heard that if Inquisitors were in hyperspace that they would be better than Jedi with Jedi <laughs> I mean I, I, I heard that too and I respectfully disagree um, I think that if you like flying Inquisitors fly CLT Jedi they're extremely fun, and you don't have to bring a shuttle that's, you know, just free points for your opponent anytime they want to kill it. Um, I mean, I, I flew a lot of 7B Jedi, um, and I have to say I think the CLT version is just so much more fun. Um, and it's not going to be as good, sure, but 7B is not an option anymore. So you might as well fly these, these super maneuverable uh, and you know, three agility ships with force backing them up all the time. Um, and, you know, if you can get that range one bullseye shot on someone, I mean, you, you hit harder than most other ships do at range one, just because you do have that, you know, I'm going to call it like a, an extra mod of adding that focus result instead of a, a blank result. So if you get really good with the bullseyes, these things can do a lot of damage in addition to just staying alive really well. Um, I know, you know, anecdotal evidence is, is the best evidence. Um, but, I mean, I played a, a tournament this weekend that was hyperspace. I brought Obi and Plo with uh, each of them having R5 Astromech so I could prepare my damage cards. And in three rounds, neither one of them ever took a damage card um, because dark dodging is so ridiculously easy with this ship. And, uh, you know, the times when you are stuck in one arc, you almost always are modded on defense, uh, usually pretty thoroughly. Uh, so I, I think CLT Jedi are clearly going to be the, the star of the, the show in Republic, and uh, Obi and Plo are, are obviously the best with how uh, ridiculously cheap they are, even with you know Obi's gigantic one-point nerf. Um, that's, then, then now is where kind of the, the fun stuff comes in, because you do have a lot of, of other ways to, to kit out your list. Um, the list I flew this weekend had Anakin and a Y-Wing, because even though every week I tell myself I'm done flying Anakin in a Y-Wing, somehow I always end up coming back to it and thinking, hey, I'm sure I can make this work this time. Um, spoiler, I, st- I still can't. He's just too expensive. Um, but uh, you, you could go that route. You could uh, throw in a couple of Y-Wings if you want to, um, you know, with turrets to, to try and get yourself some control pieces. Um, or you can just sort of go more of a, a spammy type list uh, with N1s instead of torrents, because torrents are unfortunately no longer legal. Um, 
And in addition to just a spammy type of uh, archetype, you know, you can actually kind of make these N1s a little scary. Um, you could throw some torpedoes on there uh, with passive sensors so you can get that target lock on the first turn. Uh, or uh, if you really want to, you could maybe actually throw battle med meditation on one of your Jedi and try and coordinate a target lock to get double modded uh, proton torps on that first engagement. I think that's kind of a little bit too cute of a strategy myself personally. Um, but, uh, you know, if you if you really want to try and go all in on that, you know, it does seem like it, it could be doable. Um, there are uh, arcs that are also uh, in in hyperspace. I'm going to be totally honest. I do not fly arcs. I don't find them enjoyable at all. I mean, I know Wolf hits very hard. Um, Sinker's not there anymore, which was kind of the other one that, that you really saw a lot. So I'm not a beefy type player, so I'm not really into that. But I'm, you know, I mean, maybe maybe Jonathan or, or Zach, who kind of like more of the beefy list here, could could talk about if they think that arcs actually do have a role at all, or if it's. I think I mean Wolf and Jet. plus uh, whatever fillers you want. I mean, I don't. I think Wolf at fifty points. I think you could definitely see him. I mean, Republic still seems like a. Um, a faction of like 50 point blocks, you know, like, you know, one Jedi for about 50 points, another Jedi for about 50 points, an arc for 50 points. And then I don't know, like Rick with some toys for 50 points. Um, yeah. I mean, something like that certainly seems doable. Rick is so, so cheap at, at only 42. Um, I mean, my problem with him is that he really doesn't seem to hit very hard ever. Um, you know, at least in the past, you could put crack shot on him or predator, um, so when he does make his, his, you know, pass every two or three turns, he, he could potentially hit someone hard. Um, but now, uh, I'm finding that he just really, you know, does no damage whatsoever. He stays alive like forever. He's basically like Kylo level survivable if you're doing it right. But, uh, you know, for almost a quarter of my list, I do want to see a little bit more damage in love with Rick, but, uh, I mean, you really can't complain, I guess, about an I-5, uh, with, uh, you know, a free of eight every turn for only 42 points. Brett, do you see a role for like a quadruple Jedi list with CLT? Like maybe um, adding Ahsoka or, um, you know, the uh, Luminara? So, yeah, I, I this was actually the list I was thinking about running this weekend was going to be Obi-Wan, Plo, Luminara, and then either a Jedi Knight or Barris. Um, I, I had thought about putting a soak on there as well, but I, uh, I wanted to get those R fives that were useless, um, on there. And I, I think that a list like that could be really, uh, effective. Um, as long as you know, when it's time to bug out with those Jedi and preserve your points, um, you're not going to be giving up much MOV at all. And if you're, uh, if you're coordinating your strikes to the point where you're, you know, taking ships off and doing meaningful damage, there's a good chance you're going to be able to win, you know, almost all of your games by just not giving up any points, really. Uh, so I definitely think there is a place for that. Ahsoka probably is the best fourth ship. Uh, Barris is kind of useless. Uh, the Jedi Knight is kind of useless. The, I'll agree the generic Inquisitor, Andrew, is better than the generic Jedi Knight. Um, but... Uh, if you can get Ahsoka in there and just maybe not have the R5s, or I think you can actually fit one R5 uh, on maybe Obi-Wan, uh, I think that's probably the best for Jedi list. Um, and definitely something to, to think about. It's just you may have some games where you have trouble pushing damage through if you're not able to line up those bullseyes. So honest question, do the generic Jedi Knights... Do you think they have a place in the game? Um, so let's say hyperspace, because we're... On that topic, do you think they actually could find a way? I mean, they're really cheap, right? Like, that that's something they have going for them is, you know, even with CLT on there, they're under 40 points. Um, or uh, for just two extra points, you could dump CLT and add uh, Foresight on there. So if you're getting your, uh, your bullseyes, you get a passive mod uh, on potentially two attacks. Um, so, yeah, I could see there potentially being a, a role for them, but... I think I would rather just go with, uh, you know, for not too many more points, you can get uh, Luminara, right? She's 47 points with uh, with CLT. So, I'm sorry, 46 points with CLT. So, you know, for, for a very minor points 
adjustment, I can get a, a Jedi who is just significantly better. So I don't see them having too much of a role, um, personally. Uh, so that's interesting. Cause, I mean, like, we had a discussion earlier off the air that, like, uh, about Inquisitors versus the Jedi Knights. And um, it's interesting that for the war, I ever find a spot for the Jedi Knights to come in. I don't know. Um, what are, so what do you think about like broadside or any of the other wise? So, I mean, broadside is really good, right? I mean, that with that ion, uh, turret, which is the only turret that, you know, is available, he's hitting for three, uh, you know, basically every single turn, uh, at range two and, you know, has a really good chance of getting four hits. It's just these Y wings die extremely quickly. The, you know, Anakin, when he has that force backing him up, is able to take an extra shot or two usually than than these other Y-Wings. I mean, they're still able to usually ignore crits for the entire game, but uh, it's he's good and he's pretty cheap, right? He, with an Ion Cannon turret, is 41 points. So he's basically the exact same price we were just talking about for the Jedi Knight. I would take him over a Jedi Knight in a heartbeat. Um, I don't know if I would take him over Rick, um, I think it really depends on what else I'm bringing because he's basically the same cost as Rick as well. Um, just because, you know, Rick is going to stay alive and these 41 points are, are likely going to die because uh, he's going to be a pretty high priority target because no one wants to get ionized the entire game. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's really cheap. He's a very good value. So he should have a place somewhere. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I love him for my list personally though. That's fair. I know. I know you like the the Jedi, and that is your forte. But um, yeah, I definitely see broadside being in the mix somewhere. Um, matchstick, sorry, matchstick. I'm not so sure about. He's with the Ion Cannon turret, forty eight points. I feel like that's getting a bit too expensive for for what you know he brings. He basically has slightly better uh, damage potential than. Uh, broadside has uh, the one thing he has going for him is he can spend his his focus on defense to to try and mitigate some damages and still have the same uh, pretty effective level of of damage uh, output. But I think he's just getting a little too pricey there personally. Sure, um, and, and I think we'll we'll see some increase with. Uh, I mean, we have the lat preview uh, spoiled. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see those new ships jump into this. Um, hyperspace mode i uh, so one of the things that i kind of was looking at with these y wings is it came with the angle deflectors upgrade card and uh oh no i'm sorry that came with the resistance transport but uh, do you have any thoughts on that on these y wings i mean like you say they die really fast do you think the addition of a reinforce might help them out i mean maybe so i mean like i guess maybe you could throw it on match deck right i'm trying to think of of what that does to your damage potential and if you're throwing it on matchstick it really doesn't change it too much because like i said he gets those free re-rolls from the target locks uh that all of your ships are putting on him uh at the beginning of the game because your clt jedis don't usually take target locks um right so matchstick can reinforce every turn and then still have his his offensive mods that seems pretty decent um a ship like broadside though he needs to keep his focus, and he needs to focus every turn. So he would never get to reinforce, really. Um, R2-D2, I'll be honest, I, I haven't played around with that at all. I mean, you get a, a calculate token. That seems, seems nice. Um, but I, I don't think that means that I then want to take, uh, you know, a, a reinforce every time. And on the other the other ships, I mean, you're just then chucking naked dice every turn uh, if you are taking... Uh, that angled deflectors, right? right. I mean, so you, you have a, a cost for it and you're, and it's a pretty expensive cost, right? Like six points and you're not doing any damage with it. So I don't think it really works. Uh, but maybe on matchstick, if you really want to throw a ton of points into a Y wing, but in that case, just go with Anakin. Everything will be fine. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that was kind of like just brainstorming is um, maybe like, uh, it's not in hyperspace, but synchronized console to try to like maybe like bounce around some target locks or anything like that. Um, battle meditation is though, so uh, may- maybe like that's a way to try to get to that double action economy. Um, again, it does have that high price, 
and, and it's something that like but I, I was just thinking of trying to maybe like possibly keep these things alive longer because I, I mean i've gone up against broadside a couple times and he definitely does die to me he's cheap but i i get that he's a high target um so let's talk about battle meditation just for a second right sure. you know which is probably the most anyone's ever talked about it um so you can do something like three Bravo flight officers um, with R3 astromech and uh, plasma torps on all of them, and then Obi-Wan with CLT and battle meditation, and that's 197 points, right? So you can give uh, you know a bunch of target locks out on that first engagement, and uh, you know then potentially do a lot of damage. I mean, it would be great if you could get all proton torps, but uh, you know. Y- unfortunately just does not work um but you know you can play around with the the other ships and and maybe uh get two proton torps in there so you get a a really nice alpha strike i mean that's not that's not too bad and then you still have clt obi-wan as your your closer um i mean the the main thing these uh clt lists lack is that big punch to try and take a a big threat off in the beginning so maybe that's something to consider yeah cool um, so anything else that you want to wrap up with Republic? Uh, I don't think so. I only have this whole list here and I didn't look at it once. Um, <laughs> so like Foresight, me... do we think Foresight's going to make an appearance? Yeah, Foresight's fine. Um, I mean, it, it isn't anything too special. It's not expensive at only four points, but, uh, you know, I mean, it costs a, a force to use it initially and it doesn't synergize with CLT at all because, uh, yeah, you get that, you know, passive mod, but uh, you don't get to add the extra result that you would normally get for CLT. So I'm not in on, on Foresight unless maybe you're just throwing in a 41-point uh, Jedi Knight with it or something. So, Brett, question for you. How much of a bid do you think uh, a Jedi Ace list needs? So that was why I didn't want to take Ahsoka this weekend, because I wanted to have at least an 8- or 9-point bid. Um just just personally I, I i don't know if you need it but boy those bullseyes are much easier to line up obviously when you're moving last uh with the double repositioner so i feel like the bid is probably more expensive with the clt version i'm sorry is more necessary with the clt version than with the 7b version um so i'm gonna be trying to get pretty significant bids myself personally makes sense especially i guess with kylo being out there yeah right and, and that's the problem unfortunately is that the you know first order aces you know if people are running them have 15 point bids and you really can't throw out a 15 point bid republic list right now like you used to um you're you're just gonna have to give up way too much damage damage potential yeah i think there's a lot of i5 out there too like that that's i5 is the new i6 really um so we're gonna see a ton of that so bidding is definitely going to be important more important at the i5 level i definitely think um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap us up for this week, unless you have any final comments. I guess we have some upcoming events. Yeah, we definitely have some upcoming events. So on February 8th, we have a showcase. It's their first hyperspace tournament of the points adjustment. This is going to be one of our first rank uh, ranked events. So um I know they have the new kit, so I mean, if you're not interested in that, we are definitely starting off the ranking system, and we'll have more information that day for the um, the ranking. So definitely take a peek at that when we have all the information out. And also on the same day at East Coast Gamers, on the opposite end of the uh, <laughs> opposite end of the town or whatever, we have the team tournament. Um, I know they put together, which is a kind of cool format where it's a veteran player is pairing up with a new player to try to get them into the game, like have them in the game where I think it's like a, each of them bring 150 points a piece and then it, they, you know, get paired up with other teams. Um, so definitely take a look at that. That's on the Jersey Shore X-Wing page. Um, I think that's all we have. So we still are waiting for our... Um, store championship list as soon as we have all that information we'll get that out to you guys so they will all be ranked events for anything in the area so keep an eye out for that um other than that i don't have anything else 
If you're a fan of the show, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Patreon. If um, you have any comments, send them to feedback at backtodials.com. And I think that's it for this week. So have a nice night and thanks for listening.